Gentlemen, welcome to No Budget Nightmares. This is Mo. He's a bad film hating while I skating all the while masturbating. And that's Mo Pawn, yeah. yeah. And with me, as always, is the one and only Doug Tilly. He's bow, Doug bow, Tilly, bow, 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 number bow, one super bow, guy. Bow, bow. We're back, Mo, on No Budget Nightmares, the podcast. Woo! And uh, and things are great. It's 2017. Things are so good. Don't you agree, Mo? My future's so bright. I gotta wear shades. I feel like I just want to stick my head in the ground. And pretend the rest of the world isn't happening. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah, what better way to escape from the horrors of reality, Mo, than to dive into some no-budget films? Sure. All of our favorites. That's what I say. All the young dudes? Yes. <laughs> Mop the Hoople playing this this week on No Budget Nightmares. <laughs> How has your week been, Mo? Uh... I uh, oh, that's the yeah. kind of entertaining response I was hoping for. Yeah, it's the it's the, it's the the Moporn seal of approval, really. You know, the, <laughs> I was going to say it's the interplay between the hosts that people come back to yeah, no yeah, budget yeah, nightmares yeah, for. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, <laughs> Mo, we're recording on a Saturday night. Word, but you work on Saturday nights. I work most nights. Now, so, yeah. Mo, do you find that uh, now for those oh, who are new listeners to No Budget Nightmares, Mo works at a sexual shop, and um, and is it particularly busy on Saturdays? Um, uh, I guess. Is I that mean, when gentlemen ply their trade. <laughs> uh, nobody's really plying much of anything. Plowing. Though, but, <laughs> yeah, that that's probably a little bit more accurate. Um. Nah, you know, it's, it's, I mean, obviously the weekend's going to be more busy than any other time, but it's like my shift and nobody fucking comes in one way or the other. So, you know, if, if I'm lucky, you know, I'll get a dozen customers in the night, but <laughs> now that does yeah. beg the question, Mo, how can they possibly justify paying you to work there? Um, let's hope they continue to justify <laughs> paying to, for me to work there. <laughs> Well, I'm glad that you have employment, Mo. I just think it's kind of funny. You know how uh, we're like the original odd couple. Are we now? I mean, we're both fat, hairy dudes. So in that case, we're kind of the same. But uh-huh. uh, during the week, I work at a university, right? A place yeah. of higher learning. And then you're like my, you know that uh, movie series Angel, where uh, by day she's in a school as a, uh, a student, and in the evening she's a prostitute? Yes. Yeah, you're, like, you're the weekend me. <laughs> working in your sexual shop uh, uh, and encountering all these uh, lonely men who um, who do what they do. Yeah, I mean that's basically the job. That's basically the job. You know, I mean, I, I, I figure it this way: I don't got to do nothing with them, so what do I care what they're doing? You know what? A, a, another good job would be 
Uh oh. This is a transition. What? Oh, okay. Uh, serial killer? Serial killer, Mo. And you know, serial killers have been in the news over the past 30 years or so. <laughs> <laughs> is that it? <laughs> <laughs> Haven't heard as much about them lately, but I'm sure they're still out there plying their trade, as I mm-hmm. said before. Uh, yeah. Who, Mo, is your favorite serial killer? Um, I, it's not a question I've given much thought to, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, if you asked my sister, who's like one of those obsessed with the true crime and that sort of shit, uh, she probably has an answer for it. I don't know. I always, uh, I always got a kick out of, um, <laughs> no, no, it's, I know it's disturbing and demented to even say it, but I mean, like, like, like just the lengths that like H.H. H. Holmes went to, mm. you know, building an entire house around murdering people uh is it's pretty pretty wild uh other than that i mean i whatever i I, like i'm not one of those kind of guys who tends to like glorify like real life death well Um, you're not gonna be like (laughs) ed gain was so cool i'm gonna do yeah 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 no yeah exactly and i don't don't care you know like serial killers never did did much of it yeah exactly even john wayne gacy yeah he was a clown, you see. And also, yeah. they made a movie about John Wayne Gacy. And you know who it starred, Mo? It, yeah, the guy who played um, in Fra- Pee Wee Herman. Yeah, was- Francis from Francis Pee Wee's Big Adventure. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we're not going to be covering that movie on No Budget Nightmares. Uh, not anytime soon, no. What, what, what movie are we going to be talking about this week, Mo? We are going to be talking about Serial Killer. Oh, what? <laughs> <laughs> serial Killer, directed by Ryan Cavalline, or maybe Cavaline, but I'm going to go with Cavaline. From 2002, the greatest of all years, I would say. Sure. You know, it was when, it was post 9-11, it was when the country was really rebuilding. And when I say the country, I mean your country. Uh-huh. Um, we were we were directing our attention and our dislike at uh, an enemy that we could uh, then kind of go after. I mean, it wasn't the person who attacked you, but it was still somebody. And right. I think directing hate towards people, that is the American way. It is. Speaking of directing hate... <laughs> and I'm proud to be an American. And I gladly rise up. <laughs> Next to Ryan Cavallini's Serial Killer from 2002. Oh, well done, sir. Now, Mo, I had seen this movie, Serial Killer... Before, yeah, I meant to ask you about that. So you've seen this before, and yet still uh-huh. suggested it for the show. Well, here's the thing about No Budget Nightmares, the podcast, the one that uh-huh. you and I both host. Um, sometimes we watch movies that are okay, and sometimes we watch movies that are really, really bad. And every once in a while, we watch movies that are oh, better, good. I would even say, sure. Um, but we kind of need to delve into these filmmakers who've done a number of different movies. Uh, especially ones that were featured in the Bloody Nightmares box set, which kind of got us started in the first place. And this uh-huh. was one that, in my brain, I remembered it being notable. That, I think that's the way I should put it. Not even necessarily terrible, but just notable. However, I have to say, upon rewatch, I'm not sure that those notable things necessarily came through. <laughs> <laughs> and, by, and by notable, you just mean sheer volume of naked women tied to chairs there right? are a lot of naked women tied to chairs also there is some really massive incompetence on display like just really baffling uh and and to the <laughs> point where when you watch it there is a particular moment which we'll get to which is just so fucking dumb 
it it makes me feel one of the worst feelings of watching no budget movies is when you feel like the person making it isn't putting the proper amount of effort into what they're doing or and, or any at all for that matter but yeah sometimes people are ha- people are hampered by technical skill or technic- sure. or or the fact that their equipment isn't good enough but when it's something so fucking in your face that's yeah. like hey all you need to do is this and then everything is going to be better uh that's that's when it kind of grinds my gears yeah no i'm with you there 100 percent. and also this movie features a number of uh ultra low budget micro budget luminaries including joel weinkoop who uh makes a notable appearance in here and ron bonk and a few other uh familiar faces however how they're incorporated into the plot that might be questionable yeah yeah Mo's awake this time I'm kind of awake Mo's I'm trying waking up. I'm trying I'm trying I uh, I was editing our most recent episode uh, featuring basket case oh and Mo while I was listening to it there's like a part like 15 20 minutes in where you can just hear you wake up <laughs> <laughs> it's like your voice just it, it it loses a little bit of rigidity and uh and suddenly you're just like oh I'm Mo I'm awake now <laughs> <laughs> and what's great about it is that that lasted right up until the final few moments when you were like, oh, like I could tell that you were like, I got to get the fuck out of here. Doug needs to hurry the shit up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was uh, it was super close. Like, like, by like I was by the time I finished getting dressed and heading out to, to catch the bus, I was five minutes later than I normally am. And so, like, I was so certain I was going to watch that bus drive by as I was walking to the stop. But thankfully, the bus was also late. So I, like, just caught it. Well, no worries here because uh, we're, we're recording an hour earlier this time. Yeah. And also, we're going to move along at a decent pace. We're not going to mosey around like we did with Basket Case because we're you, talking you mean about... You like, like we are right now? <laughs> hey, people love the interplay. I thought we already yeah. established that. Oh, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Serial Killer from 2002 begins with some writing on the screen. Mo, what does that writing say? I didn't write it down. <laughs> oh, I figured, I'll say it. Because I figured you did. <laughs> well, well, you didn't need to write down it again. We know that you do not like to champion serial killers. But this uh, film yeah. starts with, We serial killers are your sons. We are your husbands. We are everywhere. And there will be more of your children dead tomorrow. A quote from the late, great Ted Bundy. <laughs> The venerable. <laughs> the venerable. Hey, he's a man we all know, we all love. Rest in peace, Teddy Boy. Uh, I, actually, that is a probably uh, um, uh, not a good thing to say. Boy, I was looking for all sorts of words that didn't come just then. <laughs> Ted Bundy was, of course, a monster, a serial killer. But that's what yeah. this movie is about. Then we learn that from Fourth Floor Pictures Presents, Ryan Cavalline Production, and we see a digital camera on a tripod. And then, your favorite thing in the world, Mo, a topless, bored-looking woman tied to a chair. Yeah, I actually said she looked dejected, but yeah, she yeah, yeah, she is not into it. Disinterested, let's go with that. Disinterested is definitely the word. <laughs> uh, and so we get this woman, and I believe it's a, there's a voiceover where it's sort of a testimonial of her being attacked by a serial killer. Right. She, she says that he beat her up. She, so she ended up getting attacked and raped behind a library. And again, I don't want to make light of any of the testimonials in this, even though many of them are very, very badly acted and written. Oh, yeah. Uh, but he, I I didn't mean to laugh. 
<laughs> but she's behind a library and she says that he beat her with a book which I just it's such a weird image that like so he was in the library too and he was getting a book and he just but anyway <clears throat> she said that she just laid there and prayed that he would leave and then we see someone stabbing the air with some like like slicey sound effects like someone stabbing a watermelon and then we see the title screen serial killer and the sound of a chainsaw for some fucking reason. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of weird um, sound uh, choices in this for, for stuff they use. It's it's unusual. Let me establish that it, this is Ryan Cavalier's first film. He went on to make a number of different ones, including Demon Slaughter, which I've also seen, and which is of a very similar quality. Um, <laughs> so after the the opening credits... We see someone in kind of silhouette, an overweight gentleman, who says this. Killing people is easy. It's getting rid of the bodies is such the problem. <laughs> now, despite that weird filter on the voice, which, by the way, is not repeated for the rest of the movie. Thank uh, fucking goodness. Who is this gentleman, Mo? I don't know. I've just, I like in my notes, I just call him the fat killer. I also wrote down the fat killer, which is mean. I mean, it's a very mean way to describe him uh, like but, this. Yeah, but it's also the quickest and easiest. He is listed in the credits and on the IMDb as the serial killer and played by Vic Badger. And I just wanted to stop here for a second because when I first watched this movie back in 2009, I wrote a review for it on my blog at the time. And mm-hmm. Vic Badger found that review and actually wrote some really nice comments, And uh, even though it wasn't a very complimentary review. And and also uh, answered a few questions about why the fucking movie turned out like it did. <laughs> uh, well, but, I'll give him I'll give him this much: the dude's got a great name. Does have a good name, Badger. Badger. Then the movie fades to black for a moment, and we see a nice-looking house. I would say a nice residential neighborhood house, and we see a gentleman tapping. On his computer, and I have it written down as tapping Mo because he's he's typing in a very unusual way. Well, it's it's not look look for those look. of us for those of us who weren't gifted enough to be in a typing class, we have to use the hunt and peck method. Now there's hunt and peck, and again, this gentleman that we're going to be referring to here is a professional writer. Which again, yeah. I'm sure there are many professional writers who uh, have the advanced hunt and peck. Uh, method of typing but this guy is like he's never even seen a fucking keyboard before he's all over the place yeah like there's a point where he hits the same letter three times in a row and like he struggles to find it each time it's it's wild it's and and it doesn't help that they slow-moed it they 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 (laughs) turn the speed down on it so it's like button press Button. Uh, so this is Michael. Michael is a professional. Yeah. <laughs> Michael is a professional writer. Yeah. Uh, and he writes. I guess that's a really important note <laughs> that this guy. Yeah. Like, let's not gloss over that for a second. We need to. We need to emphasize this early on. <laughs> this guy is a professional writer. Just think about that. And in order to get across that idea that he is a professional writer, he's actually reading out uh, in a voiceover what I guess he is writing. Because he's writing a book on serial killers called Serial Killer. And uh, he does give kind of a monologue, uh, which I guess is supposed to be quotes from his book. And this is what he says. Many enjoy cannibalism, 
necrophilia, <laughs> and keep trophy-like body parts as mementos of their work. I mean, it does seem kind of like he's just reading from a Wikipedia page, which of course wouldn't have existed in 2002. <laughs> How about the I pronunciation prefer... of necrophilia? Yeah, I was going to say, I prefer necophilia. That's just where you only want to eat neko wafers. What's that uh, condition or expression for people who like to eat shit? Huh? You um, know, oh, it's like, a fecophiliac. Like, like, well, yeah, I think that's I think that's somebody who just loves shit. Because right. I think, yeah, I, I think for like eating it, it would be like fecophagia or something like oh, that. Oh, fecophagia. Yeah. I think you're absolutely right, Mo. Thank yeah. you so much for that bit of information. I could use G.G. Allen was into fecophagia. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so yeah, so he's reading quotes from his book, and it seems like a kind of a lame book, but I might be wrong. Well, I guess we'll just see. Uh, while this is going on, while he's describing his book, we get uh, some more credits. We find out that the special effects in this movie were done by Chamber of Horrors. <laughs> and then the guy, who again, his name is Michael, he pours himself a drink, and he says, another fucking day. Yeah, this guy is like the angriest dude ever. He's very angry, though I have to say I, I could relate to that particular moment. <laughs> I feel like I wake up every morning these days and think, uh, another fucking day. Yeah. In God's country. <laughs> he, yeah, he's an angry guy. And I have no idea why. Apparently he's, his, uh, his writing career is going quite well. Uh, though, though we get sort of mixed messages about that as well, as we'll get to. He gets a call. Who does he get a call from, Mo? His agent. His agent. And he has a very adversarial uh, relationship with his agent. Yeah, I'm like, I'm, I'm listening to this phone call that he has with her, and, like, he's, like, yelling at her. Like, and, and the only thing she's really doing is, like, giving him advice, you know, for how to present himself when he sells yeah. the book. You know, it's very constructive criticism for the most part. And, uh, and, like, just every word out of his mouth is just, like, leave me the fuck alone. What the fuck? You know, like, like Jesus, dude, chill out. Apparently he is, again, this is a little confusing as well. He's apparently sold his book, his latest book, the one he's writing on serial killers. And he has a meeting with the publisher. And she's just basically saying, you know, don't be an asshole to the publisher. Comb your hair. Maybe, you know, brush your teeth. And then his response is to scream into the phone. No, actually, what she says is, so what's the next book going to be about? And he's like, how to fire your agent. Talk to you later. Yeah. What an asshole. He's a dick. So then he does go to meet his publisher. And what is notable about this? Um, the, oh, the fact that it seems like it takes place in a high school nurse's office? <laughs> nurse's office, possibly a prison cell of some sort. Yeah. <laughs> Certainly not, you know, the kind of office you would necessarily connect with a publisher's office. Yeah. Um, and this guy has really bad hair. I think we should notice that as, note that as well. Uh, the publisher, I should say. Um, and the, the publisher, I'm just going to keep referring to him like that. He seems really impressed by the book. And then he, he presents... It. The manuscript that he, I guess he's been reading. And that fucking thing looks like it's 30 pages long. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, he just says, like, we'd be happy to publish this as soon as you get it finished. So the understanding is that it's not quite finished, which is, you know, that's why he was working on it earlier. Yeah, but, and, and he, said, he, said, he said he's got a couple of chapters left. So I'm he, hoping that by those couple he means, like, 32. He says he has a couple of chapters left. And then he says, uh, in a week it'll be done. <laughs> Look, yeah. I'm no professional writer. 
I'm not. No matter what people try to label me with, I'm just not. <laughs> no one tries to label me with that. I was going to uh, say, I wasn't trying to label you with shit. <laughs> <laughs> but I do know people who are writers, and I will tell you, if you have a couple of chapters left, you got more than a week to go, buddy. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> so... Uh, the the publisher is very curious. It's like, what's it like looking through the killer's eyes and and what's the, like interviewing these killers, um, and and Mike is see, seems kind of nonplussed by the whole thing. He's like he's like ah, you just need to talk to him. You get to know them a little bit. And this, by the way, provides the structure for the movie because throughout the rest of this movie, we get uh, again testimonials from various serial killers. Again, in this case, these are actors pretending to be serial killers. Right. And they tell, like, sort of monologues about uh, how they got into the biz, so to speak. <laughs> and that's where the star power in this movie comes from. Yeah. I love this idea, by the way, which is, okay, we can't afford necessarily to fly Joel Weinkoop here, but if we just got him to set up a camera and talk uh, a monologue for you know, three minutes, and then get someone else to do it and someone else to do it and send it to us. Hey, we got a movie cooking, baby. Yeah, there's, there's, a, couple of, there's a couple of running themes in this film that um, just tend to repeat themselves over and over again. And that's, I mean, at least that one's entertaining just because, you know, you get to see, like, especially Joel Weinkoop, who just hams it the fuck up. He's really good. Entire, you know, this is the yeah. first time I ever saw Joel in a movie, and I actually thought he was really good here. And revisiting it, I still think that he's, like you said, he's hamming it up. But he's, Hold on, hold on. Did you just say this is the first time you've seen Joel in a movie? No, when I saw this in 2009, it was the first time oh, I remember seeing Oh, okay, <laughs> okay. And, uh, and it was, you know, my first experience with him, and I was like, hey, this guy's good right this guy is yeah good. yeah he's committing right and and so uh and that's that it was kind of when i think back to the movie there's like three moments that i still remembered and that was one of them is when they show joel which by the way we're gonna get to in just one second <laughs> <laughs> but the publisher does ask uh, uh how did michael get an interview with joe the butcher who apparently is a notorious serial killer in the world of this film and he says Nobody's been able to do that. How the devil did you do it? Uh, money talks. You grease enough palms, you can get anything done. Is that true, Mo? <laughs> I wouldn't know. I ran out of grease fucking years ago. And I, and I never had any money. <laughs> I, yeah, I, never, I never had any money. <laughs> uh, that, uh, by the way, that little clip there, it gives you a sense that there's some sound issues in this movie. Not critical, not like... Uh, uh, it doesn't hamper things too much, but it's not that bad. Yeah. It's not that bad. Yeah, though I will say the actor who plays Michael in this movie. What did you think of him, Mo? Um. Well, I never met the guy, so <laughs> his name is uh, Adam Barassi. Yeah, he's he's mm-hmm. a little a little over the top. Little over the top at times. A little under the top <laughs> at other times. He's a mixed bag. That he is that a mixed guy. bag. Then the movie transitions. And when I say transitions, this movie just sort of like, they'll put static on the screen and then suddenly something else will be happening. Um, it, this movie, if you consider all the stuff that's not the main plot filler, there is way more filler than plot in this movie. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So we get Joel Weinkoop talking at the screen, telling of his serial killer ways. And what was his serial killer experience like, Mo? <laughs> um, yeah. He was fucking some girl in his basement. 
Yeah, basically, basically his big story involved, like, I think he was talking about, like, the first time he killed, and he was talking about how he was having sex with this chick, and he just kept hammering, hammering her, her, hammering, hammering her, hammering her. <laughs> you know? he and was like, hammering her with his he's liter he's literally snorting and grunting while he's doing this, and it's just, it's so fucking over the top, but it's, it's also a little... Uh, hard to watch, you know, because he just he really gets into it. He really gets into it, and okay, let's make this clear as well. This movie is not comedic. No, it's played incredibly seriously to the point where when something is kind of ridiculous, it really kind of stands out. Uh, yeah. And and here we have Joel talking about hammering this girl, and then because <laughs> she, she he wants she wants him to slow down. He refuses, but he's afraid that she's making too much noise and his parents might hear because this is supposed to be taking place when he's younger. He right. bashes her head in with a uh, a phone. Yeah, with the clock radio. Clock radio, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's he, he does like to focus on her large breasts, by the way. <laughs> then he like cuts up her breasts and he thinks about mounting them on the wall next to his father's trophies, which are that's a little bit strange. I don't. I don't think so. I think mm-hmm. that's perfectly normal thought patterns for a guy. It's it's locker room I, talk, really. Ag- agree to disagree. <laughs> 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 and then he talks about he grabs. He has a, a machete <laughs> that his father used for weeding, apparently, as people do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he chopped off her ankles and hands, and um, and he put them all the pieces in freezer bags, and he put them in the freezer next to the other frozen entrees. I look how he says frozen entrees. Frozen entrees. <laughs> And then just th- stick that foot behind the hunger man back <laughs> And then uh, he just uh, that that became I guess his career after that he would invite gals down to the basement and then uh, then he said he would kill them all differently but it doesn't matter because they all end up in the same place anyhow his stomach Joanny the freezer's full <laughs> I was looking for the meatloaf and all I found was some lady's breasts. Yeah, Joe the Butcher, played by Joe Weinkoop. <laughs> that's his. That's his part. <laughs> now, now he. I think he's the only. Uh, well, one of. I think there's like two that uh, of the killers who are actually named on screen. Yes, thankfully in the closing credits they they uh, elaborate a little bit more on who each one is. Yeah, I'm glad they waited till the closing credits to do that. I mean, at first it is a little confusing because you're like, who who is this guy? Like, it, the transition isn't so strong that you necessarily are supposed to know what's going on. However, right. I, you know, it, it's it's made clear very quickly that these testimonials don't don't really matter to the larger plot as a whole, uh, and we'll we'll get onto that in just a moment. So we return back to the interview between the publisher and Michael, and uh, and Michael goes, Joe is a nice guy, and. <laughs> I guess this is all they needed to talk about. Michael starts to leave, and before he goes, this happens. How many victims did he kill? 284. A serial killer world record. <laughs> a serial killer world record. I just keep thinking of like this Guinness Book of Serial Killer World Records, and like that, like, like I don't just like imagining what the categories would be, you know. Just fucking and imagining being the person who has to go and like verify them, like the Guinness person to show up and be like, "All right, yeah, I see you've got forty-seven victims hanging upside down from your basement. That's a record, you know." And like <laughs> signing the thing over to him. I'm just thinking, it's like, like Joe Weinkoop's parents must have been like, "Our son is a sex machine." 
<laughs> How many girls has he brought down to the basement? You know, I never see him leave. <laughs> I just like the idea that like that was his method for like years and years. Two hundred and eighty-four. Right. That seems like a lot of fucking people to kill. That's a lot of people. So then we get a very great scene, Mo, where a uh, somebody, a point of view camera, is watching the outside of a house, lurking around. And we see a woman through the window. Uh, mm-hmm. And it's sort of like voyeuristic, you know, as slasher movies sometimes are. Yeah. And what's this person, uh, the person in the bushes looking through the window? What is he looking at? <laughs> All right. So he's... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Th- thanks, by the way. Uh-huh. Um all right, so yeah, basically in the house, it's you know, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a nice house, you know, nice house. Uh, I agree, fa- fa- fairly, fairly upscale. Uh, a, a woman in a uh, smart little uh, miniskirt <laughs> number. Uh, it is, is smart. Get is getting ready, <laughs> ready to uh, uh, to hit the bed. You know, get herself comfortable. Blah. That's blah, what blah. I, I call going to sleep hitting the bed as well. Yeah. Oh, is that it? Not, is that, is that do pe- as much? Do, do people not say that? Uh, you hit the hay. You don't hit the bed. I hit the bed. All right. Uh, <laughs> I want to hear more about this woman. Yeah, so basically he uh, he works his way into the house because, you know, she didn't bother to lock the door. And, classic uh, rookie mistake. Classic rookie mistake, I tell you. Um, yeah, she proceeds to uh, to get naked, take a shower, uh, all the while, I like the fact that she takes a shower with the curtain open, so that way to not impede the, the the sight of the camera. I like how when she's in the shower, she bends herself in the most unnatural way to bathe, just because it's, it's like this is what the audience wants to see. Right, exactly. Uh, it, it's it's pretty it's pretty ridiculous. Now, how would you describe this woman? Oh come on! What? <laughs> I, um, I look. Some of the audience has not seen this movie. They need to get a I, mental picture about what's happening here. Fine, I will use the term buxom. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and uh, she's gravity you know, defying. She's gravity defying. Well, yeah, it's it's pretty easy to do that when when they're fake. But uh, what? Uh, what? Huh? Huh? I believe that this woman, this actress uh, who goes unnamed, I believe she's played by porn star Sammy Sparks. Ah. Uh-huh. And she does go into her room to hit the bed. <laughs> And uh, I guess at some point while that's happening, she notices that there's a person in the room with her, the POV camera, and she starts screaming, and then off screen there's some cheesy stabbing noises. Yeah, and, and that's how most of the, the deaths in this movie happen. It's off screen with just these wet sounding stabby noises. It's But who could be the killer? We don't know at this point. In fact, we're not even wondering. <laughs> there's no reason to wonder. Yeah, I guess I, you know, like I don't know. I, I, I like. There's no the the, the twist in this movie <laughs> is so not a fucking twist. <laughs> it's fucking ridiculous. It's so ridiculously telegraphed from the open, like the by the time from the first moment where you realize that they're you're supposed to think that there might be something else going on. You're like, oh, I know exactly what's going on. This yeah, movie okay. came out in the early two thousands. Every fucking movie had this exact same twist. Yeah, yeah. And it and the fact that it's revealed like, hey, th- you didn't know this, but this is what's going on. And I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about, movie? 
It's like, yeah, it's like a, you, you're seriously, you're fucking kidding me, right? Because, like, I had this movie figured out by, like, the 12-minute mark. <laughs> and, look, I'm not trying, listeners, I'm not trying to say that I'm some smart guy who can just figure out movies. No. No. I'm not smart. Mo is not smart either. No, I'm stupid. We're fucking idiots. However. I'm getting dumber by the day. This, this movie, if you don't, look, let me, let me just say this. If you don't figure out the twist in this movie by the halfway mark. We can't be friends. <laughs> because true. I can't trust your ability to breathe. On a regular basis. <laughs> so, I don't have to re- I don't want to have to remind people to inhale, <laughs> to exhale. <laughs> Thankfully that's built into this show. All you need to listen to some vaping going on in the background. <laughs> hey. So back home, Michael is daydreaming. What's he daydreaming about? What is he daydreaming about? <laughs> you caught me mid-swing. I was like, oh, let me take a sip of my thing while Doug's talking No much nightmares is a game of ping pong. It's it really is. back at you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you, and like, like I, I'm, cert- I'm certain that you have a way to like hack into my camera or something. Because it's like, every time I go to do something, that's when you ask me a question. What um, I love most is asking a question and, and hearing the, the pause where you unmute and then come back. <laughs> 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 anyway, what what is he doing? What's Michael doing at home? Uh, He's man, daydreaming about a woman. Oh, my note literally says the author is sitting on a couch thinking about a woman. So I ought to... No fucking clue. I don't even so, remember what the hell happened. So what it scene. is, is he's daydreaming about, I think it's his wife, actually, or a long-term girlfriend. And uh, Oh, right, right, right. He's yeah. basically thinking about their entire relationship. And it begins with this wonderfully delivered line from, uh, I guess, the woman who would later become his wife. Oh, she's fucking awful. I love you, Michael. We'll be together forever. We were two lost souls that found each other. You make me so happy. I love you. Very Neil Breenish delivery. <laughs> you know, you know what that, you know what that bit reminds me of uh, a little bit of uh, the RoboCop flashback scenes, yes. where like they keep talking about the wife. We need to talk about something. I need to tell you something. <laughs> And that's exactly yeah. how it kind of plays out, right? It's like, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, isn't there a part in the RoboCop one where she like seems really angry, but then it turns out that she's actually "I love you." Like, she, well, like, that was the that that was the one I was saying. Is like, I need to tell you something. I love, I love you. you. <laughs> <laughs> so um, she said she then kind of, it kind of cuts to later in the relationship, and she says that she's leaving him because his drinking has gotten out of control. And we did see him drink earlier, so it obviously is out of control. It's clearly out of control. Then he takes out a VHS tape and he puts it in his VCR. Mm. And it's a tape of a woman. Get this, Mo. <laughs> Wait, hold on, hold on. Can, can I guess? Is mm-hmm. she, uh, I'm using my powers of deduction here, tied to a chair? It's a woman tied to a chair. Yeah. And she is talking at the camera, but she's speaking directly to Michael in this case. Because uh, this, this is his agent, right? This is his agent, though I have to yeah. say, I did not figure that out. It took me a second. Because we, we only saw her briefly earlier, and she looks different. Yeah. I can't remember. Is she naked here? Most of them are naked when I they're think she's, the I think she's the one who was lucky enough to not be. So she says that somebody is upset about the book, angry that he wasn't mentioned in the book itself about serial killers. So I guess he got a copy of the manuscript, which I guess is just going out there. Yeah, um, I mean, that, make, that makes sense. You know, when I write books about serial killers and, and how he managed to track down six or seven of them... Um, is beyond me since they generally don't like to give that information out. 
Um, well, his 30-page manuscript is on the blacklist, so it's <laughs> <laughs> By the way, Michael, even though he is watching a video of his agent, um, who is about to... She's scared for her life. He does not seem very concerned. No. His reaction, in fact, might be considered a clue as to what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> she says, goodbye. And then it just fades out to color bars. Because that's how... <laughs> that's... That's what they go through the effort of doing. <laughs> yeah. Then back to the woman earlier, uh, the porn star, uh, who is also, uh, she's she's tied to a chair as well, but she's naked. And um, and she says, I'm afraid I'm not going to get out of here alive. Yeah, that's pretty much it. She's afraid mm-hmm. she's not going to get out of there alive. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's a justifiable fear, really, because you're not going to get out of there alive. Throughout the rest of the movie, it's going to cut to naked women in chairs talking about how they are afraid they're not going to get out of there alive. I'm not going to tell you. By the time this movie is over, like I am so bored of looking at naked women in chairs. I never thought it could happen. Yeah. (laughs) But I will say, if you are the kind of person who has a naked woman in chair fetish... Oh my god, you are going to love this movie. You are going to be in paradise with the movie Serial Killer from 2002. But yeah. instead of paradise, we get a big pile of junk. I'm not talking <laughs> about the movie. I am talking about an actual pile of junk. And that guy from the very beginning with the fucked up voice, played by Mr. Badger. <laughs> Homeboy, Homeboy's back. Homeboy is back. The Serial Killer's back. He's sitting in a chair, smoking, and watching a fetish videotape. Some real serious BDSM. Yeah, except it's not, though. <laughs> no. You know what I noticed about this, Mo? And I, I, I know you're kind of gentleman who pays attention to details. Oh, yeah. So this is a serial killer. <laughs> I said that a little too excitedly. But <laughs> you sorry, love details. Ahead. I know you do. It makes you excited. Uh-huh. We, we look at his television for a moment, and we see the area around the television. And I noticed that under his TV, he had a Sega Dreamcast. <laughs> so... When he's not torturing and murdering women, he's playing Panzer Dragoon. <laughs> he's playing Knights into Dreams. <laughs> I just thought it was unusual, is all. Popping on a little Shenmue. <laughs> so he uh, he has some voiceover, a lot of voiceover in this movie, where he talks about how nobody is born like this. It's the beast in all of us who is silent, unless disturbed. And his beast was disturbed by a priest. Catholicism. Also, this gentleman, again, who was very nice and answered questions, he looks kind of like Bobby from King of the Hill. So there's a knock on his door. And at his door is what, Mo? Um, Either, well, it's like one of those religious people. It's either Jehovah's Witness or Mormon, you know, one of the door-to-door religious salesmen, basically. <laughs> I would say a rather unconvincing Mormon or, like you said, Jehovah's Witness, one of those yeah. kind of things. And uh, the serial killer is very happy to see somebody come by, and he invites him into his house. And you know that's going to be trouble. Oh, yeah. I mean, this scene does not compare to the similar Jehovah's Witness scene in Las Vegas Bloodbath. <laughs> <laughs> oh, if, if only. If Just only. thinking about that scene makes me smile. Yeah. Uh, so the, uh, the religious person comes into the apartment, and what happens? Um, well, he... Uh, Looks around the the apartment, the house, if you will, uh, and sees the television playing pornography, and he says, "Pornography." Pornography. 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 Pornography.
pornography is the path to Satan. Really? <laughs> really? <laughs> uh, which, which is probably the funniest line in the movie. Um, and then he gets his throat slit uh, with a straight razor. Oh, yeah. And um, and some blood splashes on the wall. It's this is actually... Explicit. it's Which it, is funny, because this is probably the most explicit scene in the film. Until the very end where it's just body parts. But yeah, because you do yeah. get to see his neck wound after it happens. Um, yeah, it's nasty. It's nasty. I mean, it's not like anything particularly you know um graphic but it is uh it is pretty cool <laughs> and then uh, the serial killer just goes back to watching his fetish video which by the way it involves three women one of them is kind of lazily uh using like a can of nine tails on one the other one's tickling the woman i think hey everything has its place man hey tickling fetish videos i just watched a documentary about that <laughs> apparently it's very popular <laughs> yeah i've seen that so Michael is back to typing in his ridiculous manner and talking to himself. In fact, he's typing and he says, just a few more chapters to go, because that's what writers say. <laughs> I just love the idea that instead of, like, even if you were trying to pump yourself up by talking to yourself for some fucking reason, that you would be like, not, just got to get to the end of this paragraph. It's just a few more chapters to go. <laughs> I only got to type for another four days straight and I'll be, I'll be all finished. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, I'm high on methamphetamines, and <laughs> and I and I got a, a stack of paper to use. Let's get to work. Now, my favorite thing in the movie is about to happen, Mel. So we need to prime ourselves. Mm-hmm. The doorbell rings. Michael, visibly irritated, goes to the door, and it's who's at the door, Mel? Uh, <clears throat> an unnamed gentleman. Uh-huh. Who uh, I believe his car broke down. His car did break down. Yeah. This is uh, another trope in in this film that's used a lot is um, you basically understand that if somebody knocks on your door, you're going to die. You know what I mean? Because like every time somebody knocks on a door, they die. Now you're getting ahead of yourself here. I know I'm getting ahead of myself and I don't care. But but, like it like like. Like this movie is just filled with people knocking on doors. It's pretty ridiculous. It's just but like yeah, real he, life. It's people yeah, just, enter our lives and they leave. Yeah, yeah. I don't think I, I don't think I've had anybody knock on my door who wasn't expected in fucking like ages. <laughs> I know, right? Because I because I live in the fucking shitty city where everybody hates each other. So my out of town. Well, but anyway, guy- anyway, yeah. His car broke down. He wanted to come and use the phone. Yada yada. And uh, Michael, even though he's hesitant, he's like, yeah, okay, you can use my phone. And that leads to something hilarious, which is the guy picks up the phone, starts dialing, and as soon as the guy starts dialing, Michael's like, can you hurry it up? Yeah. (laughs) Uh, So the guy calls somebody. There's no answer. And then he tells Michael, yeah, there's no answer. So I guess I'll just leave. But before I do, he recognizes Michael from his, like, TV appearances, which suggests, by the way, that Michael is a lot more of a successful writer than it sort of suggested up to this point well they've implied a couple of times that he has other books that did fairly well so why is he having such yeah. a, like his his uh, uh, manager or whatever seemed to suggest that he had trouble selling his books oh that's because that's filler material oh i get it. I, <laughs> yeah. I get that actually. and there's so, ton of it so this gentleman asks michael for an autograph yup <laughs> and and uh, Michael, uh, even though he's irritated, he's like, yeah, okay, sure. So he takes out a little pad of paper 
and he <laughs> huddles over it so we can't see what he's writing. And then, <laughs> then he puts it in front of the camera. And what does it say, Mo? It says, "You're dead." You're dead. Well, that's perfectly reasonable. I don't. I mean, it's it's not the thing that you would expect as an autograph, but I don't see what's so funny. It says Y O U R, dead. Yes, he uses the yeah. incorrect form of the word "your," which would he's a f- be- he's a fucking writer. He's supposed to be a writer. <laughs> I'm not even convinced that this gentleman has finished high school if he can't <laughs> fucking figure out your and you are as a contraction. What is wrong? And, okay, <sighs> here's the thing about this. It's stupid, right? This guy yeah. is a fucking idiot. And But how did nobody else... That means not only is this character a fucking idiot, not only is this actor apparently a fucking idiot, it means the director has to be a fucking idiot, and that guy in the room, that actor, he has to be a fucking idiot too, because how could somebody not say something? Yeah, well, I mean, like, there's only two There's only two ways this could have happened. One, it's intentional, and I kind of don't think it's intentional, no. since this movie is not intentionally supposed to be funny. Right, and again, if the character wasn't a writer, at least you could... You could kind of figure it out in your head. It's like, well, he's just fucking up like so many people do. Right. <laughs> <laughs> or the other way this could have happened is that there was a long line of grammatically incompetent people who saw this and went, yeah, it's fine. It's fine. I think that's it's probably fine. what happened. Yeah. So, um,. <laughs> He, it's a very strange scene because he passes him the piece of paper, but we don't really see his reaction at this point. Uh, and then the guy just goes to leave. He's like, ah, I guess I'll leave. And Michael says... Hey dude, thanks for letting me uh, use the phone and thanks for the autograph. I'll send you later. Yeah, whatever. You know where the door is. <laughs> I just like how he's a fucking asshole for no reason. None whatsoever. It's all that booze talking, I guess. Boozy drunk. So there's more shots of uh, naked women tied up, uh, more static uh, between each of these videos. Mm-hmm. Um, we see a guy, a woman tied to a chair, and there's a guy with a really dumb-looking knife, like a like a Klingon weapon or something. Uh, then there's more fetish footage that the uh, the serial killer is watching. And a now, Klingon weapon, like a bat left, like a bat left. That's very good. <laughs> um, so the serial killer. Is watching his fetish video, but now he has a box and he's talking into this box. And we're like, what is going on? He must be really crazy. He's talking to this box like it's a person, but we don't know what's inside the box. And I'll tell you what, Mo, when it's finally revealed, you oh better, you're going to shit your pants. Yeah. It's going to, look, because right now we think maybe it's like a uh, mouse or I don't know. I don't know what well, we're supposed to no, think. Well, well, obviously, well, hold on. The box is. Bloody. It is a bloody box. So, like, I would never have assumed that it was a mouse. (laughs) You know? Uh, I assumed... What? What? What's in the box? What's (laughs) in the box? What's in the box? What is in the box, Mo? I mean, we'll give it away now. I don't give a fuck. See, I was really hoping, and it would have made sense if it was a head. A head. It should have been a head. And we all know, we also know, find out later, that they had access to a head. Yeah, 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 yeah. So when, but like, because you know, if you're going to talk to something, you want to talk to something that has a mouth that can talk back and has ears so it can listen. You know, no, 
What's he fucking talking to? He's talking to a goddamn foot. It's a foot. It's a foot. A foot in a box. Christ. Yeah. So anyway, <laughs> he, he is talking to the foot while watching the fetish video. And they uh, their conversation sounds a little bit like this. And listen to see if there's a mistake in this line. <laughs> oh, come now. Come on. Now that's wrong. Oh. Oh, you. What do you want me to do about it? Well, they should be punished. I agree. She doesn't seem to be enjoying her punishment a bit too much, does she? Well, that. Get used to that kind of dialogue because there's a lot of it. Yeah. <laughs> then he starts getting pissed. Uh. <laughs> And says that uh, we'll punish them. We'll make them all pay. So, you know, he's crazy, right? No, he seems reasonable. Seems reasonable. And then he suggests that he's hungry. And he says, a man's got to eat. And he goes into the kitchen. And the kitchen has disturbing photos posted all over the place. Some of uh, women, like fetish pictures of like women with their breasts being tortured, I guess. Yeah, um, uh, yeah, yes, yes. Yeah, fetish pictures is probably the nicest way of putting it. I'm fairly certain there's one of a woman having her face shit on. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> What's that? Fico. Yeah, Ficofacia. <laughs> Ficofacia. Um, there's a. <laughs> so, so he right before he goes into the kitchen. He says, uh, I, you got to eat to live. Don't live to eat. And then when it cuts to him in the kitchen, he says... He says thing. it again. He does the line again, except this time, not quite as smoothly. Let's have a little listen. I know, I know. Eat to live. Don't eat. Live to eat. <laughs> That's what you're always telling me. Cut. <laughs> <laughs> We're burning uh, digital video here. <laughs> So he takes a bag out of his freezer. Uh, it's marked Good Eats. But then he puts it back. Uh, and I guess the idea we're supposed to get from this is that there's body parts in his freezer. Yeah. He does go back and take it again, though. He does go back and take it. So he wants them Good Eats. Booyah. Then we get the Mo scene. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is the sequence that I cut out of the movie and put up on our Facebook group, uh, as well as on Twitter. I'm sure Mo was very happy about this. I did it while you were asleep, uh, just so there could be <laughs> no retribution. No until, retribution at all. Until later. Yeah, we uh, we see a, a point of view shot of something going up a flight of stairs. Doesn't matter. And then it cuts to the serial killer, and he's looking in a mirror, and he starts saying. Well, let's listen to it first and then describe what's actually happening. <laughs> it sounds like this. I am pretty. I am pretty. I am beautiful. <laughs> so what is the serial killer doing, Mo? All right, so he is uh, standing in the bathroom, looking oh. in the mirror. I've done uh, it. Yeah, we've all done it at least once. You know, he's having a, uh, what's that character's name? Uh, is, it, is it Stuart Smiley? Stuart Smiley, that's right. Smiley, there we go. Yeah, a moment where he's, you know, you're good enough, uh, whatever. And uh, 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 applying uh, lipstick, you know, a la like Steve Buscemi. 
That's right. Yeah. Um, what was that in Billy Madison? Billy Madison, yeah. And uh, and and then at the end, after he's he's done talking to himself, he holds a uh, very 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 poorly made skin mask. <laughs> it's uh, like a slice of bologna with stitches it, on it. <laughs> it really it really does. It's 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 not great. Uh, but uh, a for effort at the very least, and nope. holds it holds B minus B minus B minus for effort. <laughs> He holds yeah. it up to he holds it up to his face. My favorite part about this scene is the fact that it, it like the mask is still sup- apparently dripping blood. <laughs> but well, when he but when you got when the guy pulls the mask off of his own face, there's not a drop of blood on him. Oh, if you want to talk problems with continuity of violence, we'll get to that in just a little bit. But yeah, he yeah. puts on he puts on makeup, talk about how he's pretty and beautiful because that is what serial killers do in movies, and that's what's happening here in this movie. Yeah. Later on, Mo, Michael, you know, the other guy in this movie, he's laying in his bed. And he's basically, the camera is zooming slowly on his face and it just keeps cutting to different testimonials. First, there's a woman who's like a like a black widow in that she keeps like marrying dudes and killing them to get insurance money, I guess, or like burn their house down or something. Well, she said, um, she said she didn't do it. For the insurance money, she said she was looking for a quote-unquote suitable mate. Yes, her perfect mate. But she had two children with her first husband, and she killed them all with a hatchet. Molly Hatchet. Yeah, right. And then we see a uh, gentleman in a white shirt with glasses. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's Ron Bonk, I believe, playing the Greensburg Reaper in the movie. Yvette Petit was the first actress. Now we have Ron Bonk, the uh, wonderful director, who, of course, had a segment in High Eight. And uh, what is he talking about, Mo? Uh, sexual gratification uh, through the murder of women. This actually... Actually, now that I think about it, maybe this one isn't Ron Bonk, because this is talking about strangling people, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I think this is Phil Herman as the Northeast Strangler. Um... And yeah, he gets sexual satisfaction out of strangling women. Have you ever tried that, Mo? Um, Not with a woman. Uh, uh, plead the fifth on this one. Oh, ba-boom. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, these people are talking about uh, raping women and, and strangling them. It's not very pleasant. And then we no. get a long-haired guy uh, who talks about he would cut the throats of his victims and pull out their intestines. And sometimes he would cut off their genitals and carry them around. I mean, it's all very normal behavior, really. Like, what guy hasn't, you know... Honestly, it's just the... Cut every... off the genitals of... <laughs> I, I feel like this is just everyday activity in Trump's America. <laughs> it's getting there. What's the easiest genital to carry around? <laughs> really? <laughs> Can genital actually be said in the singular like that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I guess so. I guess so. Anyway, then... I was legitimately trying to think of an answer to that. I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> the last serial killer testimonial shown is a uh, overweight guy who has a cat with him. And he, this guy's a good actor too, eh? I liked, I dug this dude's little spiel. I, I don't know. I, this probably is Ron Ford as the Midnight Slasher. No, that was actually probably the dude before. Yeah, I don't know who this one is. And I'm sorry <laughs> if uh, if it's someone that we should know. Um, I'm not very good with names or faces or memory I'm, of any kind. Yeah, I'm really bad about But that he's good. Too. He's yeah. really good. And he, he's actually kind of disturbing, which is something the other testimonials don't necessarily reach. Right. 
uh, and he's talking about that uh, a woman, uh, a beautiful woman, stopped on her bike and asked for directions. He took her to a gravel pit and disturbingly says, love was in the air. Ugh. Well, that's what that's what I'm saying. Like with this particular one, like this is the, the one one of the few that like really feels like a serial killer interview. You know, like it's like he's nailed that level of creepy. It's kind of perfect. That's that suggestion that like they're they were actually liking it or um, right, right, exactly. And he even says she welcomed the death I allowed her to have when I was done. Yeah. So anyway, back to Michael, who again is just laying on his bed. He seems upset. By these visions, I ha- I guess, or memories that he has of these interviews that he did for his book. Yeah. Then, someone rings his doorbell. <laughs> hey! It's been a good ten minutes since that's happened, so... Michael, visibly annoyed, <laughs> answers the door. And who do we have here, Mo? Uh, this is... I forget the guy's name. He's a detective. Yes. Who wa- Who's basically uh, looking into the disappearance of his agent um, and wanted to know if he had any information on it. Now, what's notable about this agent, Mo? Uh, not the oh, agent. Sorry. The, the uh, police the, officer. The detective. The detective. Uh, well, honestly, you really should just play the audio clip because it gives... it. It says it so much better than I ever could. Oh, you know what? I think I, I did have a, a sound clip from... Yeah, you, you do. Uh, no, I do from this, but from one of the serial killer uh, um, testimonials. Oh. Uh, I, I, I kind of skipped right over it, but let's just hear that quickly about uh, the happiness when one strangles women. I was only happy when I strangled women. Experience the act was uh, sexually pleasing to me. I mostly kept that because he said woman instead of women, and I thought that was very unusual. It's sexually pleasing to me. So, okay. So the, the detective's at the door, and he sounds like this. Hello, are you Michael Johnson? Yes. Yes, what? I'm Detective Smith from the police department. I'm investigating the disappearance of Jen Winslow, your agent, I believe. What is going on here, Mo? You know, you know what it really, now that I think back, uh, you know, listening to that now, you know what it almost sounds like? It's, it almost sounds like he's trying to stifle an Irish accent. I think he is trying an Irish accent. Yeah. Which is really funny because it actually ends up sounding more like he actually is Irish and trying to sound American. <laughs> Isn't that fucking weird? Yeah. <laughs> I love the names, by the way. Michael Johnson. I'm Detective Smith. <laughs> <laughs> This is my partner, Dave Jones. Also, the detective looks like he's about 13 years old and is yeah. wearing an ill-fitting suit. And, and it's pouring rain outside, by the way. Um, right. My, Michael makes it very clear that he does not want to answer questions because, you see, he's a writer and he doesn't want to lose his training of thought. You get in the zone. You got to yeah. stay there. When you're in your training of thought, you don't want to lose your training of thought. That's mm-hmm. what he says. But later on, we see, I guess the cop just leaves. Or does he? I guess we'll find out in a bit. Later on, Michael is watching some videotapes. What's on them, Mo? Uh, uh, Oh, yeah, right. Naked women tied to chairs. I think this time it's his wife. This one's his his presumably ex-girlfriend, wife. The one who left him because of his drinking. Yeah. And she says that she's going to die. He must see, get... she, see, she had the kindness. Uh, you know, she, she was allowed the kindness of being able to wear panties. Mm-hmm. So 
you know, at least at least there's that for her. <laughs> no split beaver shots here. Oh my god, yeah. Well, there's yeah. Well, there's a couple coming up, but. <laughs> So she says that to Michael, again, speaking directly at the camera, speaking directly to Michael, that their daughter has been was kidnapped, as she was, and that she's already dead, basically. But Michael must get to the east end of Hillside Graveyard. And Michael, as he watches this, just sort of smiles and smokes. And it's very confusing about what the fuck is going on. Right. And then the phone rings, and it's the serial killer who says, I have your daughter. And I'm very, very confused about what all that's supposed to mean. But let's hear what Michael's reaction to that was. Now, as you might, as as I just said, um, Michael, when he was watching his wife on that video, he didn't seem to have any problem. But when he gets the call, this happens. Well, I have your daughter. You motherfucker! <laughs> you fucking bastard! You made one fucking finger! I don't know why he's upset now. He turned into Stallone and Rocky <laughs> Five there for a second. Yeah. <laughs> if I could change, no, if you could change. I <laughs> know, I know, I was quoting Rocky Four there, but it's fine. It's fine. So Michael's very upset. Uh, the killer on the phone says she'll be dead soon. I'll enjoy her flesh. Come to the hillside graveyard, asshole. Um, and then we get to see his daughter briefly, which is very weird and awkward. Where she says, "Yeah, because I was, I, I was expecting a much younger person." Yeah, like, and like I'm like a five year old, maybe. Yeah, right, right, and like, I mean, and it's fine, it's fine. Like, maybe he's just older than you realize, but he doesn't look that particularly old. So it's like he must have had this this kid when he was like. 10. Four, 14. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so the daughter says, it's just like a flashback. It's like, Dad, why are you doing this to me? And now, in the context of the movie as a whole, and listeners, you've probably already figured out what's going on here. Yeah. <laughs> Even through us just describing it, uh, it really doesn't make any sense uh, without that context. Well, it also, I mean, like also the tape of his ex doesn't make any fucking sense either. Um, once the big reveal happens. Yeah, the reveal. It's like, Shocking like, reveal. Because it's like, she sends him a tape, she sends him a tape, for, oh, whatever. Saying to go to the graveyard. Right, To save yeah. her daughter. Yeah, so anyway, whatever. he goes to the fucking graveyard. Yeah. And in terms of padding, like, this movie has a lot of it, uh, and by the way, this movie does not even reach 90 minutes, not even close. Nope. This is the most paddingest piece of this padded movie Paddington Bear style um, he just walks around the graveyard while rock music plays yeah he walks around the graveyard as dig up her bones I mean Blitz Kid plays <laughs> I thought the guy I, sounded kind of danziggy too no he doesn't sound danziggy at all he sounds all right. I mean, he, like, like I mean, look. It takes two seconds. It takes two fucking seconds to uh, to realize that this band came out in 1997, which just happens to be Graves Era Misfits. I see. So it's, I mean, it's. It 100- does absolutely sound like a Misfits song, no doubt. Yeah, 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 yeah. It doesn't just sound like a Misfits song. It sounds like a specific Misfits song, which really, like, it's. Oh my god, these guys are awful. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure there are like, I listened to a couple other of their songs before I went to bed too. And I'm like, you know, and obviously they have songs playing during the closing credits and I'm like, this is, 
this is so fucking like generic. And then I made the mistake of looking up a picture of them uh-huh. and they're, I mean, so just imagine what this band would look like in your brain. And that's exactly what they look like. <laughs> yeah. It's the kind of music you play over a scene of someone just walking around a graveyard. Yeah, sure. So this goes on forever. Uh, but thankfully for Mo and I, there's nothing to write about. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Thankfully. <laughs> so I have a certain amount of sympathy for the scene. So, the serial killer, who I guess is not at the graveyard, he's sitting in a chair looking at a gas mask that he has in his hand saying, I'm not the boogeyman. <laughs> <laughs> and he's still watching that same fetish video. Well, yeah, you know. Then he puts on the gas mask and screams into it. I actually thought that was a good little touch. Pretty hardcore. Yeah. This guy's been watching his Nine Inch Nails videos. Hey, uh, hey, Doug. Yes? Guess, guess what happens next? Someone knocks on a door. Uh, ding, ding, ding. Give this man a bone. A boner. Uh, someone. Uh, <laughs> this is a, a knock on the serial killer's door. This is another woman whose car broke down. Apparently, this is a very common thing that happens. People's car broke breaking down. No cell phones available. She needs to use his phone. This is a very... Um, uh, this woman is like wearing a uniform or something. It's very strange looking clothes. Yeah, yeah. So he gets her a phone. She takes. I just it. got off. I just got off my job at the FedEx store. And now... <laughs> she. He gets her phone. She. She tries to use it. She goes. There's no dial tone. And he goes like, Oh, that's strange. I was using it just a moment ago. And then he goes, Here's the problem. And he smacks her in the head with the phone, which apparently knocks her mostly unconscious. Of and course. then he proceeds. To smash the shit out of her head with the phone. Again, we don't see her head being impacted by it. But well, we it's did... a Nokia, so, you know, those things are deadly. Uh, is it? A... <laughs> I thought it was a razor. Uh, but, uh... <laughs> no, but that's we... what he used on the other guy. <laughs> the, the blood is pooling all around. And then after he, like, apparently, you would think, has killed her with his phone, he says, oh, I feel a lot better now. Now, the actor, by the way, Vic Badger, he said to me that... Uh, he actually still has a dent in his floor from from doing this with the phone. <clears throat> so then he drags her, what I would have to think, is her corpse away. But not only is it not her corpse, she is still alive. She has no visible damage to her head at all. In fact, not even any blood in her hair. Well, you know, you got to clean the wound. Did not clean the wound. He just, <laughs> he just dragged her over to a cage that he has in his house. I kind of get a kick out of the fact that he puts her in this dog cage. Because if any anybody who's ever had to deal with those fucking dog cages knows for a fact that those things, like, can barely hold in a dog. Absolutely. <laughs> Let yeah. alone a person. This isn't, like, it's it's the one of the... All I kept thinking while she was in there is, like, just kick the fucking door. Yeah, it, just, it just kick slam. the fucking It'll, thing down. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it geez. is not made to hold a human. Um, so, <laughs> so he then tries to feed her dog food. And he says... Actually, yeah. actually, he starts off calling her a cat. He does call her a cat at first. And he tries to give her cat food. And then, like... And then it cuts away. And I think between the point where they started filming and where they ended filming, he forgot that he was calling her a cat and started calling her a dog. Yeah, because he does say caged up like the bitch you are. My yeah. mother was a bitch, too. Ooh. Then he tells her to shut up. And then... He goes. He, like, leaves the house. And then we see a clock, which suggests that time is passing. It's shorthand. It's what they do in filmmaking sometimes. You wouldn't understand. Oh, yeah, yeah. So time passes. Then it cuts back to her. And she has fallen asleep. Exhausted herself. Tucking herself out. Screaming in that cage. 
And then the serial killer comes up behind her with some sort of wire <clears throat> and puts it around her neck, strangles her for three seconds, and kills her. I like the fact that, like, like how she didn't break while filming that scene is beyond me. <laughs> like, I, like, I wonder how many takes it took because... Like he pokes her in the face like a dozen times with <laughs> that with, to get the cord with that around. cord just you know and like there's a scene where you could tell she's about to start reacting and then she realizes that he dropped the other end and stopped herself because remember she's supposed to be asleep here so yeah yeah yeah, yeah. He's, like, he's like behind her with the wire jamming into her fucking face <laughs> I just like the idea that it's like so he smashed her head put her in the cage left and then came back home and killed her. What yeah. was the point of that? Why didn't you just kill her with the fucking phone? Right. I'm confused wow. by this movie, Mo. Mm-hmm. So then he starts to cry, as one does. Um, and then we see later that he's rocking, and uh, he's just rocking, like holding his uh, knees in his room and saying, I'll stay away from girls, mommy. I won't look at them. So whatever caused his disturbance wasn't just a priest. Apparently he had some sort of mother issue. I do love the fact that his, like, his poor cat is just sitting on the edge of the bed, like, confused. Then we see another woman, and she is naked, and she's tied to a chair. And uh-huh. I'm by this point in the movie, I'm like, I don't give a fuck about any of this. Yeah. There's and- actually a point in my notes where I just said, I never thought I'd be... Yeah, here it is. I said, I never thought I'd get this bored of watching naked women. And it's yeah. just... it's. Every single shot's the exact same thing. Which is funny, because at the beginning of the movie, they, he, the guy was specifically talking about how serial killers change up the way they kill people. <laughs> you know, and like, the every single woman in this movie gets tied to a chair naked and stabbed. Every yeah. single one. Um, except, for, except for the one woman who was just strangled. <laughs> yeah, so this, uh, this woman is saying that her husband told her not to go jogging at night, something terrible happened, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Michael returns home. He is now talking to himself, saying, they were bad, they were all bad. Whatever could that mean? Yeah. <laughs> we also get another shot of uh, a flashback of Michael's wife yelling at him again about his drinking being out of control. She somehow leaves him again, even though we already saw a different video of her leaving him. I... She must have left him a bunch of times. So, so then Michael, distraught, again, that, that is his usual state, he says this. Not Lisa. What Lisa? Why Lisa? Now, which one's Lisa? I guess that was the woman who left him was Lisa. Oh. His wife. I don't, like, again, it's very confusing. It sounds like Lisa is tearing him apart. <laughs> um, <laughs> I did not hit her. And in fact, his next, he punches the wall and goes, I didn't do it. I know I didn't do it. And then he oh seems really God. confused for a second. And then he falls asleep. And then he wakes up and leaves. And I don't know what the point of any of this shit was. Uh, showing transition of time. Time has passed. And like they used, we used that clock trick once. We're done. So he goes to a mental health facility, Mo. Yes, a different location. I was as surprised as you are. Uh, however, it's really just the exterior of that, and the rest of the scene is just on a bench. We see a gentleman with a wispy beard in a suit jacket. He's just sitting, and he's kind of shaking, which is the international sign for "I'm crazy." 
<laughs> oh, see, I just see. I wrote that the I said there's a guy he's shaking like a druggie in the DTs. Oh, that's so actually I, accurate too. Yeah, I so I just assumed he was a drug addict of some kind. But well, but yeah, I guess it makes more sense that he'd be that he'd be crazy because he is in the mental health facility. Which again, I'm sure there's a yeah. lot of drug addicts in there as well. But well, um, is there ever is there ever any kind of establishing shot to show that he's in some kind of yes? Med- there's a sign shown just briefly. Very oh, perfect. okay. I must have been looking down when that happened. Well, looking at your own dick, probably. Probably. Uh, so this is Herman. And Herman uh, obviously has a previous relationship with Michael. Apparently he interviewed him for his book, or this guy knows a lot about serial killers, or maybe uh, the suggestion is that he actually was a serial killer that never got caught, or at least never went to jail for it. Right. Um, so they go back and forth. Basically, Michael is looking for some insight into who the killer is, which apparently is a mystery at the center of this movie that I didn't know existed. <laughs> but I think he also, uh, for a second, because this guy's name's Herman, uh, thinks for a second that he's the one who is doing this to him. That's right. He does ask him first. He's like, is, are you doing this? Right. And you think the guy would have said, no, I'm at a mental health center. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they don't let me call up people and tell them that I've killed their wife or daughter. So um, Michael is desperate. Um, Herman says that he warned him about writing the book. Uh, and but, but Michael's like, you know, do you know anything about this guy? And I love Herman's response. He's like, why does everyone think serial killers know each other? <laughs> right. But then, then... Michael reveals that the killer's been sending him videotapes, which leads to this from Herman. It's him. Him who? What the fuck are you talking about? Walk away, Michael. Forget your family. No. Who is he? Be thankful. This is a game you won't win. You're not telling me something. So <laughs> I I like that um, that this scene doesn't make any sense. <laughs> oh yeah, no, especially in the grand in the grand scheme. Like I almost kind of wonder if they're meant to be a different ending at one point. That was the suggestion that I got. That, yeah, that the reason that they couldn't do the original ending that they wanted to do is that the schedules of Vic, who played the serial killer, um, and and the guy who plays Michael that they were never available at the same time, so they could never meet in the movie. Huh. Which is, which, I again, means, if that is the case, that they had to retrofit the twist into it, which makes it make so little sense. Because why, hmm. would, the, why would the videotapes, the fact that this killer is sending videotapes, why would this be at a tip-off about what, what is going on here? Right, and exactly. I do like how the fact that Herman's like, forget about your family. <laughs> Well, that I, I mean, and, and look, you've also got Herman, who's like, who, as soon as he mentions the videotapes, clearly seems to know who the hell is doing this. And, like, if he knows that it's Michael doing this, like, it's like the whole scene makes no fucking sense. It's, ugh. So, Michael, later on, sitting on the floor of his house, watching a v- holding a VHS tape, he puts it in the VCR. It's another woman tied up and crying while naked. Mm-hmm. Talks about coming home from work, getting pulled out of her car. Very, very repetitive at this point. Then we basically get a montage of women. Like, just as one after the other. Uh, all of them naked. Uh, all of them, I would say, either pornographic actresses or exotic dancers. Uh, their names are listed at the end, and they have... Very exotic dancery names. <laughs> uh, the 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 
the porn star from earlier, she is shown spread eagle chained to a bed for some fucking reason. Yeah. And she says that she, that she talks about being raped by, with a wooden stick and a broken bottle. It's really, really terrible, actually. Yeah, it's not. It's yeah, not. And then we, and then we get a little bit more of uh, Joel Weinkoop uh, talking about hammering her and hammering her. Yeah, it does bring the clip of him talking about hammering, yeah. hammering somebody again. Uh, and we do get uh, this this uh, quote for the ages. I've created a monster. <laughs> it's alive. Michael believes he's created a monster, but um, you know what the greatest monster is, Mo. Mo- what? It's the monster inside of us all. Ah, that's, that's a Whitney Houston song, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and let that be a little bit of a hint, wink, to what might be going on here. <laughs> uh. So the serial killer got his cardboard box. He's t- saying it's time to go to it. He talks about how he was a good friend. doesn't matter. He goes outside. The camera lingers on the box because they realize this is a big reveal. This is like, again, it's like the end of Seven. It's what's in that box. We've been waiting the whole movie. Like we're we're up to the last ten minutes. We got to find out what's in the box. The camera slowly pans over it, and inside, a foot. My notes here say it's a foot in a box. Ha 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 ha. What would have been a more satisfying thing to be in that box that was not a head? Um, I would say a left hand with a ring on it that's not bad would have would have been would have been good because at least you could have been like oh well maybe it was like a like a previous girlfriend wife whatever i think an empty box even would have been more satisfying as least as long as long as you set it up like it was like a big surprise yeah an empty box would have been fine because at least then it would have just been well this dude's just fucking crazy or they could have chosen not to look in the box at all Right. Like always, I wonder still what's in that box. Right. Exactly. It'd be like what's in uh, what's his name's uh, briefcase. Back to Michael. We're gearing up for the <laughs> for the finale here. Michael is typing away on his computer, finishing up his manuscript for his novel, Serial Killer. He's also drinking and has a revolver, as one does. This will likely end well. I have in my notes. <laughs> He went to the Hemingway School of uh, Writing. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the Hunter S. Too soon School as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, right, exactly. So he goes to his basement, and when he gets there, very strange, Mo, there's a camera set up. And in fact, we see there's plastic laid out on the floor, and there are body parts everywhere. Oh my god, I think I figured it out. Mo, Michael is the killer. Holy shit! This whole time! (laughs) And then, (laughs) in case it hasn't been, like, hammered into your fucking skull at this point, Mm -hmm. we get the serial killer, cuts to him, and he sits on uh, some steps. Again, disassociated from what we're actually watching with Michael and the plastic and stuff. And he starts talking about it. He's like, I am you. You are me. We're, you know, we're the same. We're a happy family. It's like, I saw the movie Identity, and that's what's <laughs> <laughs> So then we get flashbacks to the entire earlier part of the movie. We see the guy who he gave the uh, autograph, the You're Dead autograph to. But remember when he gave him the piece of paper, and the guy just kind of left and didn't react to it? That's not what really happened. No, it's like the movie Clue. We get an alternate ending to that scene. 
<laughs> Michael's reaction to being asked for an autograph is... <laughs> you want a fucking autograph, huh? It's a fucking autograph! Come on, fucker, we're going to fuck. <laughs> Sorry. Come on, fucker, we're going to the fucking basement. <sighs> so, yeah, he killed that guy. Michael eats his words so much when he gets angry. <laughs> like, he's just like, you know, like like nothing gets out of his mouth. He's too busy chewing on him. So uh, he uh, he brings the guy to the basement and he turns on a circular side to scare him, I guess, uh, before killing him. Then we get another flashback to the detective. Remember the detective? Uh, yeah, I remember the... the Hi, Philly D. Hello there, Michael. <laughs> I want to ask you about your missing uh, manager there. No yeah. thoughts, I, I guess I'll just be going on my way. So he goes, he leaves. Hi, hi, hi. And Michael, because he's like, I guess he's like spooked. He's like, oh no, they're going to trace it back to me. I'll do the smart thing. I will kill the detective who came to my door. <laughs> and he does this in a very smart way by saying to the guy, hey, wait, I just remembered something. And he stabs him in the chest a few times. With a, with a very obviously retractable blade. What says you. Anyway, uh, yeah, this is sure. This is sure. what the serial killer says to finish his thoughts on the whole "you're me, I'm you" thing. I'm made out of ideas and thoughts. You're real. You're made out of flesh and blood. <laughs> I won't get caught, but you will. Dad, why are you doing this to me? So, by the way, now in this new context, we're supposed to realize that his daughter's odd exclaim of, why are you doing this to me, is her reaction to her father killing her. Yeah. <laughs> why are you doing this to me? I mean, you mean killing you? You mean murdering you with a knife? I don't know. <laughs> so we get a montage of women. Um, and with like a knife stabbing in between. doesn't matter because we're going to get the big climactic moment. Michael, he's in the basement. He's confessing his crimes to the camera. He says, the beast in me won't stop. The beast in me. Now, what, who, who, who recorded that album? Uh, Doesn't matter. I don't know. But Michael Johnson, he decides to end the movie and end everything, again, with a gun in his hand, by saying this. Michael Johnson, and I am. So, he said just then, I'm Michael Johnson and I'm a serial killer. Um, yeah, he, yeah, he he gets almost into like Nick Cage territory with that delivery, but if only the rest of the movie could have been that good. And he puts a gun in his mouth and it fades the credits and I cannot fucking believe that they don't put a gunshot noise there. Right? It's crazy that they're, they don't put a gunshot leave, noise. They're going to leave that ambiguous? Are they really? Were they really thinking? I just guarantee you they were editing or, or they were starting to edit and thinking, well, you know what? We can't set up Serial Killer 2 and people are going to be clamoring for it if we put that gun. By the way, <laughs> it was still cut to black. Even if you put a gunshot noise there, there's a way out. If you did want to go to a sequel, right? That he just shot away for some fucking reason. Right. I don't... like. Not that it would have made the movie more satisfying, but Jesus Christ, what are you doing? Yeah. Made me made me a little upset. No, I'm with you, man. I'm with uh, you. Almost as much as him saying serial killer made me. Serial upset. killer. This leads into the closing credits for Serial Killer. 
their serial killers as listed are Joel Weinkoop as Joe the Butcher, Yvette Petit as the Black Widow, Ron Bonk as the Greensburg Reaper, Phil Herman as the N.E. Strangler, I guess Northeast Strangler, and Ron Ford as the Midnight Slasher. Yes, a collection of serial killers. So- <laughs> what did you think of the movie, Mo? My last note on my notes here just says Blitzkid is awful. Well, no disagreement. <laughs> They're playing over <laughs> closing credits. Uh, what were your What are your overall thoughts of Ryan Cavalline's serial killer from the year two thousand two? I mean, let, let's put it this way: like we've seen some like pretty like offensively bad movies. I think like, that's not fair like, to say. Yeah, like yeah, not like I don't even necessarily mean like offensive as in like I found anything particularly wrong as such. I just mean they're just so fucking bad, you know. But uh, this one doesn't rank among those. Like, I think this is not a great movie. But honestly, it, I mean, like, I didn't have much of a hard... I didn't have a very hard time getting through it. Uh, there's a lot of repetition, sure. But, you know, it's it, it's it ranks somewhere smack dab in the middle. It's a very, like, middling film. Its low points are very low. Yeah. But most of it is just average. Yeah, and, and it only really gets repetitive when you're just about to get to the end anyway. So it's hard to get so annoyed with it. If this fucker- well, like literally, like before before Michael does his confession onto his tape, there's literally a montage of just girls saying "raping me" and quick stabbing noises. Yeah, with that gross sound effect that they've been doing the whole movie, you know. And it's like by the by the by the time you get to that point, you're just like. Oh my god, just fucking end already, you know, cuz like you've been hearing that noise the whole movie. You've been watching naked women on tied to chairs the whole movie. It it it's just old at that point. But it, it, honestly, you know, even with the repetition, it's it's not a it's not an awful movie. I would say it's just mediocre. Yeah. It, I mean, in the scheme of the kind of movies we watch, I think that's sure. safe yeah. to say. Thankfully, this was Ryan Cavalier's first movie. Uh, right. He has gone on to make a number of films after this, including Demon Slaughter from 2003, which is actually also on the Bloody Nightmares collection. Uh, he then went on to make the Dead Body Man uh, duology, <laughs> that and its sequel. Uh, he actually has a movie coming out in 2017 called... Mountain Devil, his first movie since 2008. So let's take uh, a look at what Mountain Devil is all about. Says here, based on the true events that occurred in the Appalachian Mountains, Mountain Devil recounts the frightening something or other. (laughs) (laughs) The frightening events of the night Frank Peterson and his friends spent the night, ooh, repeated word, that's not good, in a secluded cabin stocked by something they could not explain. With only a few clues and journal entries, we try to piece together the shocking events and attempt to shed insight into one of the greatest mysteries of our time. Uh, apparently being released by Wild Eye Releasing, keep your eye out for Mountain Devil from 2017. Alright. I'll check it out. I'm yeah. curious. I'll watch it. Is it a documentary? God, I hope not. Everyone, all the cast members are listed as playing himself. So that makes me, uh, that makes me curious, you see. Oh, you see. You see, Rudy. Theo. <laughs> Um, <laughs> it was a lot more fun doing that impression before everything. <laughs> yeah, right. Serial killer from 2002. Mo, I have to agree with your thoughts. Um, very middling. Uh, maybe not exciting, uh, but it does have some memorably awful moments, and also one of those twists 
that just makes you think, like, why did you even fucking bother? Yeah. Mo. What are we watching next on the No Budget Nightmares podcast? I had to think about it for a second. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, I know. Because by the time... Because I spend the whole, like, the whole entire episode thinking about the movie that we're watching that I... And I always forget to put in my notes, you know, at the end, we're watching this next. But uh, but I remember we are going to watch the classic Monstered. Monstered? That doesn't sound that interesting. Perhaps you should pronounce it in a slightly different way. <laughs> um. Okay. Uh, we are watching the classic Monsterd. Monsterd? <laughs> now you've got my attention. Uh, Monsterd from 2003, directed by Rick Popko and Dan West. Uh, it actually is the first part of a two-film series. The second one is called Retarded. Um, which I know a lot of you are aware of. I actually interviewed Rick and Dan years ago for Daily Grindhouse when I was still writing for the site. Uh, I did an interview and did a review of Retarded, and uh, it was, for reasons that we'll discuss on the next episode, not allowed on the site, uh, so I had to post it on my own personal blog. Uh, And I feel like maybe Rick and Dan uh, had some hard feelings about it, Uh, but uh, the interview itself I think is really interesting. But that was about Retarded. We're talking about Monstered. Oh, yeah. So on the next episode, we're going to be talking about a serial killer that mutates with a chemical and turns into a monster made of shit. I'm already excited. 2003's Monstered. That will be episode 91. This is episode 90 right now you're listening to. We're getting very, very close to our 100th episode. Holy shit. Yeah. And, uh, and we're we should be... do like we should do like a 112th episode spectacular. Yes. Agreed. That will, <laughs> that, that will allow us to have time to actually think to do something. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Mo, if people want to find out more about No Budget Nightmares, what's the best way for them to do so? Oh, well, they're going to want to hop over onto Facebook and just pop on up to uh, No Budget Nightmares. Do a little searchy search. You'll find us. Or go to uh, facebook.com slash groups slash No Budget Nightmares. Yeah, just do a search for No Budget Nightmares on Facebook. Join the group. Get all the behind-the-scenes info. Suggest movies to us. Who knows what might happen when you do that. You can also, of course, support us on Patreon. All you need to do is go to uh, our Patreon link on our NoBudgetPodcast.com website. Or I believe it's patreon.com slash No Budget Nightmares, all one word as well. You can find Mo and myself on Twitter. He is at DrunkOnVHS. And I am at Doug underscore Tilly. That's T-I-L-L-E-Y. And Mo recently launched another podcast with friend of the show, I did. Brandon Bennett. Why don't you tell us all about that, Mo? Uh, it's called Dead End Driving. Um, and I mean, we've only done one episode so far. We're actually recording the next one on Monday to be released for Wednesday. Um, yeah, it's basically just... Uh, searching out movies that uh, either he or I have really enjoyed and just kind of casually chatting. It's pretty much the exact opposite of how this show runs. It's where it's casual. like we, where we tend to go a bam, 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 like right through like the plot points. That one, I kind of almost want to like not do that at all and just sort of like tell stories about like, like our histories with this mo- with these movies and like what we liked about it. Here's the thing about No Budget Nightmares that people probably don't realize. It's actually a lot of work. <laughs> It's we got, a lot of work. Yeah. We, for us, for like the kind of people we are, it's a lot of work. So it's, yeah. it, I love doing like guest spots on other podcasts because I'm like, hey man, I just need to watch the movie and talk about it. But well, yeah, because I, I just did a guest spot on uh, on After Movie Diner where like John 
uh, PM'd like he's created a group chat on Facebook and just PM'd uh-huh. a whole bunch, a whole bunch of people. It's like, uh, yeah, anybody available tonight to record? I'm, I'm like, well, what are we talking about? He's like, oh, the the forty eight hours movies, and I'm like, yeah, I'm in, fine, no problem. <laughs> you know, I watched him at work. I watched him both at work that night. The next night we recorded, and it was, and it's a great episode. I think it's, I think it's probably one of my better guest spots in a while. Mo. Uh, how when do that? <clears throat> let me not be a fucking idiot when I talk. <laughs> Mo, how often does uh, that show come out? Uh, what Dead End Driving? Yeah, uh, it's every two weeks. It's and, where, the same... where, and where can people find it? Um, AfterMovieDiner.com. That's right. Where you can also find the After Movie Diner podcast. Mm-hmm. Friend of the show, John Cross, one of our only guests. Really, our only guest, if you count people. our only real guest. Yeah, I mean, because like. Uh... Because, I mean, we did the 30th episode spectacular where we had a bunch of people, you know, uh, call in and do stuff for us. And we did, conducted little mini interviews with people, you know. And we did have Todd Sheets. Right. And but, I mean, can... like, but it's probably been a good 70 episodes or 60 <laughs> episodes since we've been had any. Yeah, since we've had any, like, actual guests on. You can always find the latest content for No Budget Nightmares over at dorkshelf.com. You can also find my writing and some of my videos over on dorkshelf.com as well. Always check that out and subscribe to them on YouTube as well. Mo, have you seen any films lately that you'd like to recommend to the people out there? Um, no, not really. Uh, I watched, um, I mean, I've, I've watched some TV since well, the last time Well, good we for you. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, I watched the, uh, the... Series of unfortunate events, Netflix series. Yay or nay? I liked it. Oh, there you go. You know, like I mean, like it, like I, I, my, my thing is, is that like I feel like, like Neil Patrick Harris doesn't really do Olaf that great, like when he's actually playing Olaf. But like when Olaf starts taking on disguises and pretending to be other people, then he really kind of comes into his own with the thing. And 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 I and I, I thought that was great. And then I watched the uh, second season of uh, Voltron Legendary Defenders, which I'm thoroughly enjoying. I think it's a great show. Good. I uh, I watched, finally, uh, 2016's The Nice Guys, directed by Shane Black. Oh, yeah. It was great. It's fucking great. It's so yeah, it's good. It's so good, yeah. I laughed more at that movie than any, probably any comedy I saw in 2016. I was. It's a fucking great movie. Like, it's really horribly underrated. Yeah, and people need to check that out. I also, I was on the uh, Theme Warriors podcast where we watched a collection of movies, but it did allow me to revisit uh, Joint Security Area, the, uh, the Park Chan-wook movie, the director of Old Boy and recently The Handmaiden. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that movie is great if you haven't seen it. It's a... Uh, it was a it it was a movie that really changed my feelings on the relationship between North and South Korea. It kind of both depressed me and gave me a little bit of hope. And I'll tell you, hope is in short supply these days, don't you think, Mo? No, no fucking shit. What movie is that called? Joint Security Area. It's about smoking weed. No, it's not. It's not about that at all. I'm gonna write that down. Cause... Well, you don't have to. You can just listen back to this episode. Of no budget nightmare. <laughs> You, you know I'm not going to do that. <laughs> it's, it's also known as JSA. Um, but yes, Joint Security Area, please check that out. Uh, and um, that's pretty much it, folks. I think we need to say goodbye. Mo needs to go to work on a Saturday night. <laughs> He's the I was crying on a Saturday <laughs> Bringing it back to Michael Graves era, Misfits. <laughs> Fake Misfits, as we like to call it. Yeah, the Don't Fist we? Fits. 
That's right. <laughs> no, I, I honestly, to be completely honest with you, I have I have nothing against like those two albums he did with the Misfits. I mean, he's a piece of shit. You know, Michael Graves himself mm-hmm. is a piece of shit. But like those, I have no nothing against those albums. I you know, obviously I like Dancing Era more, but. Yeah. I remember Halloween. <laughs> Mo, say goodnight to the people out there. Good night to the people out there. Good night, people. Not Lisa. What Lisa? <laughs>